say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Jameson does it. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. And welcome in. It is a game day, people. Uh, just two of those left in the regular season, and who knows how many more all told in uh, the season or at large. Could only be three, maybe. We don't know. Not many left here in 2023. Well, we launch into one tonight that it, it's weird. We've got all of our conversation going about Jim Bayheim, about this team, about the 2-3 zone, about all of the stuff we're talking about. And uh, the game tonight is just, yeah, that's happening. Georgia what? Tech. They're still here? So we'll get into that tonight. We'll we'll hit a little on the actual game, but I I think so much of this season right now is not the game, but all that surrounds it. So certainly uh, whatever's on anyone's mind about that right now, 315-437-7644, you know the number. You know the number. So you dial the number, and then we can talk to each other. That's how that will work. Uh, we'll do a lot of uh, Q-Soups today, as we always do. The color analyst for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, one Randy Waters, will join us coming up next hour. I don't believe he's any relation to Mike Waters. I think it's just a common last name, but uh, we'll, we'll accept anyone with the last name of Waters that wishes to talk basketball on uh, on these airwaves. Show policy. So we'll talk to Randy uh, coming up at 3.30 today about the Yellow Jackets. You know, we, we chatted to him whenever it was a month, five weeks ago before Syracuse won it at Georgia Tech. And I, I don't think Josh Pastner's job security will be at issue, probably, because his contract has four more years on it, which is a lot of years to eat. But Georgia Tech does have a new AD within the last couple months. And, you know, Georgia Tech has not been good. They have four conference wins. That number is small. So we'll get into that. Maybe go into the time machine uh, a ways back. There there was a time going into the distant past of 19 and 20 years ago where not only was Syracuse the national champion, but the year after Georgia Tech played in the national title game. Maybe we'll get wistful with Randy coming up uh, next hour. So uh, we'll talk to him today. We will uh, detour away from the game tonight for a little bit at 2.30 today. Our friend Dan Fates from OWAM in Rochester, who, you know, I, I had no earthly thoughts of talking about uh, the Buffalo Bills when I woke up this morning and until I saw Dan's tweet that their defensive coordinator, Leslie uh, Frazier, has uh, stepped down and is not coaching this season. Stepped down maybe the wrong word. He's taking the year off. I don't know what any of that means, but we haven't talked Bills in a hot minute, really only grazed on them slightly since the season ended, so good chance to uh, touch in a little bit on the National Football League. Dan is in Indianapolis, where the NFL Combine is going on this week, and, uh, you know, many, all of, like, any important NFL type is in Indianapolis right now, all of them. The Bills uh, general manager, Brandon Bean, spoke earlier today, saw some uh, shots of uh, Sean McDermott out and about. The Orange have uh, several people there. Matthew Bergeron will be uh, doing the stuff this week. Sean Tucker, Garrett Williams, to whatever extent he can in his 
return from injury or all at the combine right now. So we'll get into that. Uh, with Dan coming up at uh, 2.30 today. What are the Bills up to in the offseason? The Giants have made a, a contract move today. Finally. Well, Kenny Galladay has made approximately $78 million for every catch I think he had in a Giants uniform. He gone. That that took long enough. But well, Galladay is uh, finally gone with the news and notes from the Giants. We may have to, let's see, what uh, where are we at? The franchise tag thing for the NFL is next week. That is... What is it, the 7th? Is that Monday? Tuesday? Monday? Tuesday? Somebody get me a calendar. We're going to have to figure that out. Uh, maybe talk a little Giants next week as that pertains to either or both or neither, depending how it's going to affect the situation. Obviously, they can't both get it, but Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, we uh, discussed that uh, last week briefly when the the window opened, but it is fast approaching closing, and uh, we may have some early Closure on it? Something on it? I don't know what we're going to have on it next week, but uh, we can uh, touch back in on the Giants in due time. But uh, right now, lots of Q's basketball talk. The women are en route, I believe, as we speak, down to Greensboro. If they left on time, they're en route as we speak, on their way down to Greensboro for their 8-9 matchup of the ACC tournament with NC State on Thursday. That game will be played uh, right here on these very airwaves at 2 o'clock. Uh, I'm gonna go take a nap in this uh, different studio. Then I think that'll be the that'll be the plan. But uh, that game will be on uh, Thursday. The men are not officially locked, 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 locked into also the eight nine game. But if they win tonight, they will be. Or if Boston College loses a game, or yada 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 yada. But very, 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 very likely, Syracuse is gonna play Georgia Tech today. Wake Forest on Saturday, and then Wake Forest on Wednesday. Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Wake Forest. It is just a thrilling stretch of ACC basketball. Thrilling stretch of ACC basketball. It's always weird when you run into uh, the team again in the next game and you knew it's going to happen and and the whole thing. You know, it happens every now and again, of course, but that'll be just, that's a lot of Wake Forest. That is a lot of Wake Forest in our lives over the uh, course of the next, uh, next week or so. But we'll get into that as the week goes on. But, you know, initial thoughts today as we get to the game and, tonight and all of this like this game matters very slightly in the ACC standings and that if the Orange lose this game lose their next game BC wins out they could fall to the 10 seed I'm not expecting all that to happen but it does technically matter a little in the ACC standings but essentially the last two games don't matter for Syracuse as far as how the season is going to play out like, win them or lose them, uh, very likely the Orange will be either the 8 or the 9 seed in the ACC tournament. And that'll be that. Win them or lose them, if you want to talk about NCAA tournament, which, again, is a, a pipe dream right now, but the possibility of how to get there will be the same regardless of what happens. That is going to be go to Greensboro and win four games in a row. That will not change based on the result of tonight. So in many ways, tonight's game is not important. And yet, coming off the three straight losses, coming off three straight losses in the matter of which Syracuse lost them in just devastating circumstances, just getting blasted. Getting blasted over the last three games. This is randomly like the most important game I can think of that doesn't mean anything at all. 
for the sake of everybody, for the sake of is Jim Beheim's career done or not, for the sake of sanity for the fan base, for the sake of the players trying to keep their heads above water, for the sake of all of us, like if Syracuse loses tonight, the you know emotion of the fan base, and you know I get it, but the emotion of all of it will spill over. I think in in new ways, like losing to Georgia Tech, that that'll send it over the edge if it's not already. It's like we're teetering on the edge, but losing tonight sends it over the edge. You know, getting a win. It allows everyone, I think, just to take just take a breath. Take a breath. And we'll play back some of uh, John Wildhack's comments on Orange Nation earlier today, later in the show. But I think the gist of which, or what I was saying yesterday, is that, yes, decisions need to be made one way or the other, communicated or otherwise. But they don't need to be made today. They don't need to be made today. And a win tonight would at least, okay, we could all take a little breath, take a little breath, recenter, and just kind of work forward from here. But if you lose tonight, man, four straight losses, exceedingly rare in the Jim Beheim era, four straight losses did occur last year. I mentioned yesterday some of the details of things that just have not happened. You know, first time ever there have been three separate three game losing streaks in a year under Coach Beheim. Uh, three combined losses in a row by 57 points, second most ever back to the end of that 06 season where, in the midst of a three game losing streak, uh, Syracuse and Jerry went out to Chicago and just got annihilated by DePaul by 39. Like there's a lot of stuff like that that's going on right now that does not historically shine a good light on how things are happening statistically. But you win tonight. Is it a good win? No. Georgia Tech's not good. You already beat them by 17, but you can't let it just turn completely the other way right now and go down the drain. You just can't do it. Because I think like it'll cause everyone to lose their freaking minds in ways that we haven't yet. I I, I can see the post-game show tonight. Post-game show tonight, me, Devo, 9 o'clock, right here, your calls, live Jim Boeheim post-game press conference that you can watch with your very own eyes on QSportsTalk.com. But if they lose the game tonight, the calls will be venomous. Venomous. And ironically, if they win the game tonight, the calls, uh, like, I may have to check and see if the phone lines are working, but that's that's neither here nor there. But something like this, losing to Georgia Tech, now I get it. Like, nobody liked the last three losses, but I, I think most people can at least understand the idea how you would lose three games in a row to three of the top five teams in the league. Not that it makes it better, not that you want to be in a position to do it, but, you know, all right, well, you lost to three of the top five teams in the league. That is a, a a thing that you can at least comprehend. But don't follow that up by losing to the dregs. Don't do both in a row. Don't do it in the season that you're having. Don't run into that situation tonight. Just avoid all of the nonsense that would come to losing a game like this tonight. Like that, That is the way this is a must win. 
Sometimes you just got to calm the waters a little bit. Sometimes you just need to calm things down. Like, there's no good reason that Syracuse should lose this game tonight. Georgia Tech has not won a game on the road in the ACC all season. Not won. They're 0-8. They have not left Atlanta in ACC play and won a game elsewhere. That's not good. When they played five weeks ago, Syracuse won by 17. Like, you can't have all of this stuff just spit around the other way on you tonight. What are we going to see tonight? I don't know. What what lineups are we going to see out there? No idea. Who's actually going to start in the game? Haven't the foggiest. Is Chris Bell going to play basketball? <laughs> no idea. Like, guessing what's going to happen tonight, like, this has become an art form, uh, not really a logic puzzle anymore. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that stuff? But hopefully, for the sake of just sanity, <laughs> the Arch can win, a, uh, win this game tonight. And then, you know, you set up for the fun that, that comes along with Saturday and Jersey retirements and, you know, you're playing Wake, and then you're going to play him again in a, in a game that, what does it have on the line? It has, you know, are you wearing the home jerseys, the road jerseys, or whatever. I mean, that's all the stuff that, that would come with Saturday. But there's a lot of fun stuff with, you know, honoring the national championship team and whatever that, that comes on Saturday. That if you lose tonight, oh boy. Like going to that game, going into that situation on a four-game losing streak? With everything just falling apart at the seams? Ooh. That makes it, that'll make it a tough, 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 tough week in this town. But we'll see. With that, we'll take a break here. When we come back, uh, phone lines are open, 315-437-7644. Uh, depending on uh, your calls or not, we'll hear some of uh, John Wildhack uh, from earlier today. If not now, then later. And coming up at 2.30, we'll talk to Dan Fates. We will change subjects, talk about the Buffalo Bills. We'll do that all as we roll along here on the program. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are rolling along here. This is going to be like a double tease. I told you we'd be talking to Dan Fates about Bills now. Well, he's at the Combine. He's, you know, doing stuff, like his actual job, working hard, covering the Combine of the Bills for WHM in Rochester. So we had planned on 2.30. It was, uh, you know, it was a loose plan. It was a loose plan because he wasn't quite sure what he'd have to be doing. So we'll be talking to Dan at 3 today. Uh, the Bills will still need a different defensive coordinator by 3. So... That will work. We'll talk to Dan at 3 o'clock on the program today. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Just a, before we get into some of the uh, John Wildhack uh, sound from earlier on Orange Nation, just to finish the thoughts on Pat, and I, I would be intrigued to ask somebody like uh, John this, and not about tonight specifically, but I, I mentioned this idea the other day about the idea that all right, so there's probably not going to be a ton of people at the Dome tonight. No doubt. Like As far as conference game Tuesday night, three-game losing streak, the opponent is Georgia Tech. Um, winter seems to have actually arrived. You know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uh, games are nice on TV, the whole thing. Though the game is on Yes Network tonight, if that uh, does confuse your ability to, to watch it in some way. Plan accordingly. I just had to. There was an email yesterday about re-downloading the Yes app. There was a lot going on. I think I did it. If not, the post-game show tonight, uh, like I could be 
delightfully ill-informed. Anywho. But there is a balance with you're going to get fewer fans of the games. This has nothing to do with the team being good or not. You're going to get fewer fans of the games because of TV. I, w- I would like to know like the insides of, all right, you get more money because of the TV contract. How how do you balance that into your budget of getting fewer at games? Because that is something that you have to have to account for. But, you know, on, on games like tonight, it, it takes away the most part. It takes away the atmosphere. So those people watching at home on their TV, like it won't, it won't pop as much. It won't. It won't pop as much uh, through the TV set, and especially like if Syracuse. No, this wouldn't be a bad thing. But if Syracuse can take control of this game and just be in control of the game the whole time, which in theory is a thing that should or could happen tonight, then yeah, it'll just be kind of a ho hum. But we'll see, and we'll break it all down after the game right here at uh, nine o'clock with the post game show. But uh, we'll see you on that tonight. Let's get a little bit from. John Wildhack earlier. It would be it would be helpful if I had what's the word? Open the files on the computer. That would have made it easier to play them uh, back to you. I dare say, when it comes to this whole this whole process of you know putting the sound on the radio. If I'd remembered to you know actually do the thing that I meant to do a half hour ago. But John was on Orange Nation uh, about two hours ago, and. Understandably, he's not going to answer a lot of these questions in a way that's going to divulge a whole ton of information right now, re what we've been talking about for the last month, Jim Beheim's future. But let's listen a little bit to what was said about Jim Beheim's future, about the future of the basketball program, and about how all of that will be handled by the athletic director, John Wildhack. Yeah, I think at some point, at some point it will. It's something I've given a lot of thought to, and um, I think any athletic director doesn't matter the sport, Steve. You've always got you know kind of a list of a working list of of, of potential coaches. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, what Coach Bam, as you said, what he's done here is is unprecedented. Um, and any conversations that we talk, but those conversations. Um, you know, those are confidential as they are with any of our staff members. So, you know, in, in due time, you know, there, there, we will, we will, uh, you know, talk about the future, but our focus right now is we've got to finish these two regular season games, play in the ACC tournament and really turn our attention towards the 20, 2023 and 2024 season and, and put our f- full, uh, full effort into that. And I'll continue to say what I, I said yesterday that, uh, the conversation after this season, I feel, needs to be different than the one that has happened after most seasons, regardless of athletic director, uh, be it Jay Crowdhamel, uh, be it Daryl Gross, be it Mark Coyle. Though I guess Mark, Mark, I guess maybe he snuck in one post basketball season uh, conversation. Timing, timing of that was a little nebulous that year. Be, be it John Wildhack. Then you know, in most of uh, Jim Bayham's forty-seven years, like yeah, you, you have conversations, but it doesn't need to be. Ah, uh, what do, what do we need? What do we need on this? What do we need budget? This, that, and the other. You know, actual, but not a lot of conversations about. Okay, what what do we got to do for you for next year or not? This year, it's got to be different, and I, in my mind, it's got to be more than just those two talking. Like in a lot of years, you you know, you go talk to the boss and you wrap up the year, and okay, good job, keep it moving. This year, it feels like it, that conversation is a larger one. 
that conversation is a larger uh, one. Which then leads to what is part of the conversation in regards to the Syracuse basketball program or any of the other programs on campus. We look at this season, sitting at 16-13 and 13 with two games left in the regular season. What defines a successful season for a program playing at Syracuse University right now? The goal for any of our programs, right, and, and I've said this in regards to football and other sports, the goal of any of our programs is to, is to, to make the postseason. Right? If you make the postseason, it doesn't matter the sport. If you're in the NCAA tournament, okay, you've had a good year, a really good year. And I've got a chance to turn a really good year into do a special year. And when you don't, obviously it's disappointing, regardless of the program. And that certainly stands. And especially for Syracuse basketball, because it is so paid attention to when you look at making the NCAA tournament. You talk about a good season? Like the NIT is not a good season for Syracuse basketball. Now, like this year, would you, you know, assuming they're not going to go win the ACC tournament, or if they don't, like, you go play the NIT? Like, is that a reasonable thing for this team to do? Like, a young team, experience, hopefully they come back, the whole thing? Yeah, of course. But would you file that under a good season? No. You look at the women's basketball team, they go lose to NC State on Thursday and miss the NCAA tournament. Is it a good season? Eh, Probably not. Is it a fine season, a good debut? Sure. But... I think if men's lacrosse misses the the NCAA tournament for a second straight year, is that a good season? No. And then, you know, some programs like women's lacrosse has been knocking on the door of a national title for years now. Like they're going to make the NCAA tournament. So their baseline is good season, but they're trying to elevate to great. Men's soccer elevated to great uh, this year. But that is the benchmark. So very likely right now, the Orange are going to have back-to-back seasons that do not qualify as good seasons by anybody's standard. Which then leads us to uh, the future. And the future, when it comes to Syracuse basketball, the future of the program and the future of Jim Beheim are, are entwined. They are entwined. There is no way, there is no way to separate uh, those two things. So uh, here is John Wildhack on Jim's future. You know, I'm focused, Steve, again, I, I'm, I'm focused on this year and finishing this year. And then you know, we'll sit down, as, as Coach and I do at the end of every year, and we'll talk. We'll talk about the future. So you know, not not a lot there, but that that's kind of as expected. And we'll just see where it. We'll see where it all goes. We will see where it all goes because this stuff feels like it has to be answered and handled and thought about in a whole different way this year uh, than in years past. And that discussion needs to be had with Bayheim and Wild Hack and. Kent Siverud and the trustees and the whole thing in a way that it's not been had before. Because even when, like, even when, obviously, these things happened back in 2015, 2016, and Hopkins and the whole thing, like, obviously, there were discussions then, but that was that was a hand forced by the NCAA investigation. Like, it got forced in that direction. So it has to happen in a, in a, a different way this time, because... There, there's a way, like there's a way for this to be graceful for all involved. There is a way. Finding that way, not the easiest, perhaps. And that's why, like, these have to be real discussions. It, it can't be, you know, five minutes. Yeah, the season was great. The, the, the hotel here is stunk, but we'll fix that for next year. 
It's got to be a little different that way. But the fan base in those discussions cannot be ignored. Now, you can't allow the fans to totally control the future. But say you lose the game tonight. You all know this. Everyone listening. Like, no one's going to be happy. People are going to be enraged tonight and tomorrow if you lose this game. Four in a row. How'd you do that? Enraged. That has to factor into the calculus. I don't know what percentage, but it has to factor more than none. Because as loyal, as good as the fans are, and, you know, Jim compliments the fans all the time, like, as loyal as they are and as good as the attendance has been over the years and all that stuff, even though slightly off this year in comparison, it's a lot easier to lose a fan base than to get it back. A lot. A lot easier to lose a fan base than to get it back. It's hard work to build back up. You have to factor that into your thoughts because you don't, you can't burn it all the way to the ground because it becomes really, really hard to fix something like that moving forward. Really hard. Really hard. So that is something that has to be factored in. And I would hope that is something that Jim Beheim is factoring into his thinking when the season comes to the end too. Because he built the thing. Like it's him. It's all him. And you don't want to leave him to leave it in a state that is not a fitting to what he built. I don't. I wouldn't think that he would want that. But I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's wild to be talking. Like, there's a game tonight. Georgia Tech has players. I'm sure they do. Like, I'm reasonably certain they're going to trot out people wearing Georgia Tech uh, jerseys tonight and play some basketball or something. I would think. But... <laughs> it doesn't matter a whole ton with how we're, you know, consuming Syracuse basketball right now because every bit of the consumption has so much big picture tied to it in ways that it's just never really been the case before. It has never been the case before. Not like this. Not like this. With that, we'll take a break. Phone lines open when we come back at 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. We plan on talking uh, bills with our friends Dan Fates coming up at 3. Randy Waters of the Georgia Tech Radio Broadcast joins us at 3.30 with the phones when we come back after this on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315 Here's Brian Higgins. Oh, we're just engaged in more of our nonsense during the break on QSportsTalk.com. Look for it later in a tweet. We're solving the world's problems. Grammar be damned. Or not. I'm not sure if we ended up with a grammatically correct solution or not. But at uh, halftime, check check out a, a tweet Jordan's going to send and you'll see like letters and stuff and you can... You can tell us how that's going. Anywho, we're rolling along on this game day. Q's Georgia Tech coming up tonight at uh, 7 o'clock. Let's head back to uh, the phone lines. Scooter is with us. Scooter, hello. Brian, how you doing, buddy? I am doing wonderful. Um, I still maintain, it's only my opinion, that if Mark Coyle was still the athletic director, we're not having this discussion. I thought the plan was already made. He basically made an announcement 
Coach Beheim's going to coach for the next two years, and Hopkins is going to take over. You know, Scooter, and, I'll say like because quite like it was the he was the AD when the plan got made. Uh, if right. memory serves, I, I would assume like if he was still there to like enforce the carrying out of the plan, uh, right. I'd say it would be much more likely to have occurred. Yes, I agree with that. Okay, now listen to Wallach. This is this is a problem I got. I don't care. It depends. You know, we cannot hide behind. We think we're a top ten program when we're just happy to make the tournament. And it sounds like that's what Wallach says. I make the tournament, the season's good. That sounds like Northwestern type talk, or even 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 mid majors of Boise State. Hey, we make the tournament, we're happy. Yeah, Colgate. You know, I feel sorry for Colgate. They're seventeen to one in conference. They slip on the banana peel one time. They're in the NIT, where all these other, you know, we're going to get 10 or 11 teams from, from all these other conferences with probably almost losing records. But that's the way the mentality is. And it sounds like that's the mentality Syracuse has dropped down. I think that's what the fans are upset. We, if you're, if you're, if you're a top 10 program, we're arguing why is Syracuse a three seed instead of a two seed? Now we're just arguing if they're going to be in Dayton, you know, uh, come, come in, come in a couple of weeks. And if that's the case, so be it. But the bottom line, just don't pretend we're a top 10 program anymore. Yeah, I mean, it did feel like, and I guess it's longer ago than we'd probably all like to admit, that you know the, the goal most seasons was, all right, get to the Sweet 16 and then see what you can do. Like, I don't think really any program consider getting to the Sweet 16 uh, poor these days, especially with a, a crapshoot that can be the NCAA tournament. But it, it's definitely changed, Scooter. It, it's definitely changed uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, Kansas, like they do programs like that, they – they don't view just making the tournament as uh, right. as a successful year. You're right, though. That, well, it has well, definitely changed in the last 20 years. Well, Indiana, for example, we, we're playing them as a one seed. Indiana and Washington with Tom Crean. He's no longer coaching Indiana. Ben Howland made how many Final Fours in his career, and he's no, no longer coaching UCLA. Yeah. Tubby Smith actually won a title with Kentucky. How many how many years did he last after that? It's it's just the mentality. If you're a top ten or fifteen program. It's in, bat, in football. I mean, the Southeast Conference. I don't think even Vanderbilt, if he, you know, even Vanderbilt's changing their coaches because they're not winning down there. It's just to me, when is it the time to make the change, and how long do you want to kind of let you know at the program slide? And the other thing is, I I don't know Coach Beheim's agenda. I mean, if if this was a veteran team coming back because he thought he had a great shot. Uh, going far in the tournament, I understand it, and even next year. But we're talking about a young team, so where does you know how long? How long does the future? The future we're using people eight years old is now, not three or four years down the road. And to me, that's what I don't understand: is that he, he he's won his title in forty-seven years. He got to coach his sons, and does and it's going to take a, a two thousand six. Type miracle, and everybody forgets they lost to Texas A.M. the very next game because McNamara basically played his heart out and his body out, and wasn't. You know, and, and basically, they, I guess, I guess winning the tournament actually meant more than getting ready for the tournament because he should have been pulled if he's that if he's hurting that badly. But the bottom line is, I I don't see where his agenda is. I I mean, he what does he want more to accomplish? I mean, he really thinks he's going to go far this year in the tournament and next year. Uh, you know, honestly, Scooter, I think that's a valid question and not one that Jim necessarily needs to answer to us. But, you know, when I talk about, like, when they meet with Wild Hack or Siverud or the Board of Trustees after the season, like, if I am one of them, that, that honestly would be the main thing I'm asking him in, in trying to decide whether, you know, another year or two or whatever makes sense. Like, what are you just... Because 
you know, if you're a coach, if you're Jim Bay, you can always come up with a reason to want to be back the next year. Like that, right. it's always easy to come up with a reason why you want to be back uh, the next year. So yeah, I, I'd be legit intrigued to see like what 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 is the goal at this point, and what is obviously the goal is winning games. Well, what is the goal beyond just yeah, we want to win some games? So I, I think that's a that's a reasonable question because at this point there there has to be you know a bigger picture goal attached to it other than the standard goal of the last forty seven years if we want to have a good team and win some games. And I also think it's easier to be an 80-year-old head coach in football than basketball because you hire two two coordinators, offensive defense, and just let them run run the show. In basketball, I assume you have to be more hands-on. Chris Mullins tried to do this at St. John's, and he brought him back. I think he brought Gene Cady as a defensive guy. I forgot who was offensive guy. And if you watch him in the huddles, he wasn't talking to his team. I think they made the tournament one year. I think they played Gonzaga, I think. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, Dick McPherson, if you go back and look at pictures, never had a headset on during <laughs> the game. Not, no. When, when uh, Coach Matt got mad, he ran over and grabbed a headset. And, and uh, yeah. you know, he said... <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, exactly. Uh, different times, man. That's why Coach Mack was the best for uh, for so many reasons. All right. Well, if you're not running short side option, he got upset. Uh, that's, what that's true. Yeah, no. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. All right, Scooter. Always good to hear from you. Uh, a million Coach Mack stories. The the trim, him grabbing the headset when Jim Tressel was the OC to Joe Morris up the middle, gain a six. Joe Morris up the middle, gain a seven. Joe Morris up the middle, gain a five. Hey, Jimmy, you got any other plays up there? Sure do, Coach. And when this one stops working, I'll call the next one. Uh, that is a another classic Mac. That that story will never get old. I I will never stop enjoy telling that story. I've probably told it before. Many other people have also told it before. Don't care. Classic. But yeah, I I think the main thing with Bayham going forward is okay. Like for forty seven years, you know, the goal is all right. What what's the goal next year? What, what do you mean? Go in the title. Go in a bunch of games. Now, like. Obviously, that's still the goal every year. Win a bunch of games. There, there has to be something more on it too, because at some point there has to be an exit. And and this is not me saying, okay, this has got to be the last year, or he has to come back. But you have to understand, like, okay, what would then lead to an exit? And that's not necessarily a time frame. It could be a thing, an idea, something. But it, it's got to be something at least discussed at, at the highest of levels at, at this point. It has to be discussed at the highest of levels. Like before the Hopkins thing, I was thinking, okay, well, the goal of that was to then leave the program in this state and hand it off to Hopkins. Like that had a very specific uh, goal. All right, what is the goal now? To have it ready to do this, to hand off to Red or Jerry, to do this, to do whatever. I don't know. I don't know at this point. And I know this. The people that need to know, the AD, the chancellor, the board, they need to know. Do they know? I don't know. Who does? No idea. We'll take a break. I know who knows about the Bills. Dan Fates knows about the Bills. See what he knows about shrimp cocktails as well. He's in Indianapolis for the Combine. Talking Bills when we come back here. Get back to the hoops after that. SkewSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.